0: You are listening to the Obstructed View Red Sox
1: podcast, presented by Beyond the Monster.
2: Welcome back! It's a new episode of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. Uh, I am. Returning to your host, Chris Henrick here with uh, Jamie Gatlin. We have a special guest this week. Um, before we introduce our guest, Jamie, how's it going?
0: It's going good. We finally got some moves going. Contracts are being deferred for decades. It's a great time in baseball right now.
2: Yeah, there, there's moves, but it's not with the the Boston Red Sox. Unless you want to talk about the minor league moves that they made, like the free agent signing of Jamie Westbrook, who is with uh, Scranton, uh, the Yankees AAA team. He will be on the To the Show We Go podcast that's recording the same exact time as we're recording now um you can catch that episode on wednesday morning or i guess in this essence when you listen to it today um we're but no we're going to talk with our uh, our guests this week from john boy uh we have dalton feely dalton you uh how are you doing tonight i'm doing good i'm very excited to be
1: chatting with you guys some ball some all season moves that's going on a lot of stuff's happened already winter meetings might have been quiet but now that hot stove's hot and i'm excited
0: oh yeah
2: yeah, it's um, it, it's it's good to it's good to finally get some. We got a little bit of action during the, uh, during the winter meetings. We'll talk about that Verdugo Yankee swap uh, a little bit, but really the talk of the baseball world is show Otani, um, seven hundred million dollars. First off, what was your reaction? You you take your phone, you see that tweet, and it says ten years, seven hundred million. Did you like, you really expect that? What was your reaction? I was very shocked at the number. When I saw the number, I was like,
1: holy crap. I'm like, that was something I was not expecting. I never believed, and I'm sorry to any Blue Jays fans that are listening, I never believed he was going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, the Dodgers, I'm a Diamondback fan. I'll, I'll wear that on my sleeve. So I've seen it way too much where when it, when the Dodgers are committed to someone they want to get, whether it's in free agency or via trade, they get them. And that's the case with Otani. $700 million. Like, my goodness, I was expecting like $550 in the 10 year range, but $700 million for a guy who's coming on his second Tommy John now is going to be very interesting. Obviously, there is no one like Shohei Otani, but that is a massive contract. Uh, and the way it's set up, obviously, is arguably the most interesting thing for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I was going to say, what do you think about how, you know, him just deferring the payments and also the fact that, you know, you're seeing a, su- a superstar like him putting, the building of the team beforehand especially with that type of deal
1: you know i always get confused with the money and even more so now with this kind of deal where the money is deferred and then it's two million dollars where that's the lump sum if you will that he's getting paid but though he's still getting charged at 46 and i believe those are the figures um uh it's a very unselfish move by otani like that's giving the dodgers in his decade a chance to go out and get some more players and win a world series we haven't really seen it since I guess 2020 during the COVID year. But besides that, I believe it was 1988. The last time the Dodgers won a world series in a full season and they've been close, but no cigar as the, as the saying goes. And now you have arguably the best big three we've seen in a long time between Otani Freeman and Betts. That's going to be an exciting trio. And as, and again, coming from someone who watches a team in that division, I'm excited to see how they do. Um, But again, that's setting him up. That's
2: setting them up for the next decade to compete and compete like usual in the NL and the NLS. Yeah, it's crazy. To, you know the fact that, you know the way that that was set up. You know, you look at the guys that are even remaining just this off season. They can go out. To me, I saw that, and that just says to me Yamamoto's going there. You know, it's almost like you don't go and set up your contract so that way. Again, and we we talked a little before we recorded. To basically bring in studs to your roster without doing that. And to me, you have to think like, hey, look, when I signed with Team X, which Team X has been the Dodgers and it's always been the Dodgers, even a quick segue, it's being reported right now through The Athletic, that the Giants were giving, we're going to give him the same offer, the same 10 and 700. So he wanted to be a Dodger. Also piggyback really quick. I do feel for Blue Jays fans. First off, the fact that Morosi was that wrong and then proceeds to still be on TV. I hate to talk bad about other people who report, but I don't know how you could be on TV and be that off. Um, I also love the fact that you feel bad for them, but yet you guys got the better end of that trade for Talton Varsho. Um, <laughs> that's all I kept thinking about when you were talking about it, is you guys got <laughs> the better end of that trade. Um, so Blue Jays fans taking it twice, two off seasons. But no, I just, I look at it and it's like, the Dodgers, to me, are set up in such a great spot right now. We don't know how that's going to hit your books and really impact your franchise when you get into that time. You know, um, a lot of people are starting to go on social media, you know, fans are, and it's circumventing the rules. It's not. It's part of the CBA. This is what Major League Baseball and the owners, This is they all agreed upon rules and regulations of stuff. But do you think that in a couple of years that they're going to look at maybe wanting to try to change that and, and or... It's business as usual.
1: I think they might try to change it. Um, this is such a unique deal to where, correct me if I'm wrong, we haven't seen anything where it's that much money deferred within a contract. Obviously, the 10 for 700 is the biggest contract in North American sports, if not in the world. But we've never seen this much money deferred. And it's funny because Bobby Bonilla Day, ends in uh, the year ends in 2035, Otani day, which is going to be the new one starts in 2034. So I guess we're not going to miss any gap, but uh, going back to your question, I, there could be an adjustment. I'm very, I I think it's going to depend on how this plays out for the Dodgers financially um, and what they do, how successful they are. I I think on the short end, I'm curious if teams start to do more deferrals uh, with some contracts, like a, like a Blake Snell now, because Snell's still out there. Uh, Yamamoto is now a great example too, of two guys I think can make a lot of money that teams might now want
2: to defer after seeing a deal like Otani. My only worry on like the, to, to be concerned about it would be is what if you have that perfect storm in free agency and you get three players and they get together, they got the same agent and then they're going to be like, you know what, let's look at what the Dodgers just did. I'm going to get paid either way, whether I'm getting it now or I'm going to get it in 10 years, I'm still going to get, I'm getting that money. That would be my concern. You know, you, you pick any three, any three top guys, say they're, they're Boris guys. And then all of a sudden a team like New York and either New York's or, uh, hell, I mean, the Rangers are, are, you know, I think in that category now with the way they've spent, um, that could be something where it sets a bad precedent to where you're, you're getting these free agents to kind of get together all-star games and be like, Hey, we're, we're coming up at the end that let's just do what Otani did, but together. And we we'll go in and and run it in New York. I mean, that's
1: definitely a possibility. When I, when I hear
2: something like that, which
1: is a real possibility, I think of the NBA with the Heat. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. not a big never, you know, with Wade, Bosch, and LeBron all teaming up wanting to go. Um, we've never really seen a super team in that sense in the MLB, in my opinion. We've seen really good teams, but we've never seen, as you said, a perfect storm free agency where like three or four guys decide, let's go take our talents to team A and win a ring or win multiple rings. And maybe that becomes something that occurs because of the way Otani has his contract set up or in the future, how players might do that.
0: Yeah. And looking, looking at that deal, this is kind of the curveball a little bit. How many titles would you say, you know, look at the end of the contract, do the Dodgers need to win to say that investment was, you know, hundred percent worth it. If you go like over, under and kind of that, that whole length of contract.
1: Um, it's always hard because I'm not, the one giving the money. So I'd say one, like I would just jokingly say one, because you, you know, you do whatever it takes to win a ring. Um, ideally you want to win it twice. It's hard. It's hard to repeat. I think um, people for, I don't want to say forget, but like it is hard to repeat. I think the Yankees are the last team to win back-to-back world series. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And that, and, and you know, in a 10 year span, granted it's a decade, but win two world series titles for a team that hasn't really won one since, you know, 2020, 1988, I I would say too. I I do want to segue just for one second. I I don't consider them the favorites yet in twenty twenty four in the NL. I think they need more pitching.
2: I don't I, think, I don't think they got a rotation.
0: Just right here. I love this. I, I don't think
2: they have a rotation that, that. I I think if you matched up again in the postseason with a team like Arizona, I the reason why they the Dodgers would have an edge. It's the edge based off of the star power. Yeah, and that's really it.
1: I I I think if you're looking at rotation, rotation, just comparing that aspect of it, the Arizona Dynamics right now are better rotate in their rotation than the Dodgers. Their number one is right now Walker Bueller, who's been banged up for a, a lot of his career. Then it's Bobby Miller as the number two who's coming on to his second year. You have like
2: you have Ryan Yarbrough in that rotation, maybe Emmett Sheehan. I throw harder than there's guys in that warehouse when you guys are playing that throw harder than Yarbrough throws. Let's be <laughs> <Just> real. <sure. laughs> <laughs> but we're mostly righties. That's that's the big difference. Uh, like I guess it's true.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I I the Dodgers are gonna be good for the next decade. Right now, I still wouldn't consider them the favorite in 2024. And strictly viewing it from 2024,
2: so, hey, you add a Yamamoto to the mix, and now you can go uh, Yamo uh, Yamamoto with with Bueller. I still think you need a third pitcher. It's kind of my that was my feeling with like for example the Red Sox going into this offseason, they needed three arms did did they need three aces no they needed someone that could be that workhorse that stopper that if you're on a losing streak and go and and shut that down it's not chris sale and anybody who continues to think that it is they're just as delusional as they think that he's going to last more than 20 starts next year um that's a different range i'll get going but (laughs) um but no they need pitching and i i assume they're going to get that and it could be in the form of Yamamoto, and maybe a lesser of the two. Maybe they go and get him, and they trade for Glasnow with Bueller. Now you're talking, but until the Dodgers can show that they aren't, you know, they got guys that arms aren't going to explode like they do down in Tampa, <laughs> I, I, I can't take them seriously yet. That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm in a, in the same boat with you. I think
1: at this current point.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about your Diamondbacks since you guys signed Red Sox legend Eduardo. Ooh, uh, Erod. What, baby. You know, of their moves. And I I said this to Chris, I think they're going to be great next year with that young talent, but what do you think about how they've added so far in um, the off season?
1: I'll start with Erod, especially since you guys know him really well. I, I like that we're going for it. I think this is a window I'm happy as of right now, they haven't traded any pieces because one of the times, not in 2017, but they, they were competitive in the 2013-2014 range, and they went after it, and they traded Dansby Swanson and Jordan Ciarte, and I believe it was – oh, gosh, it was a left-handed pitcher prospect, and I can't remember his name. It starts with an A. Anyway, long story short, we traded those three players for Shelby Miller, and that deal backfired, and it set the Arizona Dynamics back at that point. Um, right now, with the deals we made, Erod trading for Eugenio Suarez – um, still being linked to a JD Martinez, Jorge, Soler, Justin Turner. I'm excited. Um, I don't, I'm looking at this roster and I'm not really seeing a massive weakness. Like there's there's rooms to improve. Right-handed bat in the outfield's probably the biggest. Um, Erod signing him for four for eighty. You're paying 20 million for innings and you're hoping he gives you innings. He's only eclipsed 160 innings one time in his career. That was 2019 with uh with you guys. So I'm a little worried on that end, um, but as ERAs dropped over the last couple of seasons from a 4-7 in 2021 to a 3-3 last season, to stay healthy, if you can give 25-ish starts and like a 3-5 ERA in the desert, be a solid three right behind um, Gallon and Kelly and in before fought, that's a really, it's a really good rotation. I wouldn't say there's, it's a dominant one, but it's, it's a very deep rotation compared to other teams in the MLB right now.
2: Yeah, I, I would rather have a, a deeper rotation and you know have that depth that's going to take you through a full one sixty two, than you know have a couple of you know those flashy names and hope for the best throughout the year. Uh, Aaron Blair is the dude you were referring to yeah. in that deal. Um, not a major loss in that respect. So, you you know, no. two big league seasons, but um, no, I think the the Diamondbacks they you know with Alec Thomas who, um. Dude is fast, incredibly fast. He's super talented, not even mentioning the fact with, you know, Corbin Carroll, like there, there's a lot uh, Moreno behind the dish. Like there's a lot to be excited about just off this, those three players alone. And then, you know, going out, making the swap with the Mariners. um, There's a lot, there's a lot there. And I think the window is, is pretty solid. And I think Mike Hazen is the right guy to continue to lead that charge.
1: Yeah, I I love Mike Hazen. He he's done a fantastic job. And people forget that the two years ago they had 110 losses. This was a struggling team. And at that point, you have to decide is Torrey Levelle the guy at manager? Um, if that's a tough spot to bounce back from when uh, losing 110 games in 2021 and they stick with Torrey and Tori proves him right making the World Series this year on a fantastic Cinderella run. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do next. I, I think. It's got to be a right-handed bat. I think they signed someone. Um, I think it's going to be J.D. Martinez, if I'm giving you my prediction. Um, yeah. I think I'd prefer an outfielder, like someone like a Solaire because he can play right field. But this is the most excited I've been for Arizona baseball, going into a season in a long time. So it's going to be good.
0: Yeah, I think – I mean, we're biased because the of is starting in Boston, but I yeah. remember Fox did he that is, special. Right? And if it was game one with him and Mookie, um, and just seeing how much you know Mookie has still had respect for him even after leaving Boston, and it's like I feel like how genuine he comes off even when he's on Rod Bradford's show. Um, it seems like everyone in the game who interacts with him just loves the guy, right? And I feel like a young team like the Diamondbacks that's such a good fit,
1: yeah. Um, and the guys at John Boy have have had have had the privilege to talk to him, and they love him for that exact reason. You nailed it right on the head. So it's awesome to have a, a great guy as a manager too. It's easy to root for him.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. There's a it's a good core, you know, a good young team to be excited about. Um, so we'll uh, we'll segue on out from the from the D backs. Uh, we'll talk a little about New York because a kind of some stuff happened in New York, and where John Boy is currently, you know, located. Um, Yankees acquired Verdugo. What's the vibe right now? We'll talk Soto in a second, but selfishly from a Red Sox side of it, what's the vibe just between like either fans, even in the office, about Alex Verdugo going to the Yankees? I think it shifted once Soto was acquired. Um, I would say the sense
1: of the Verdugo signing was how do I want to word this? was like, yes, they need a left-handed bat. Yes, they needed a another fielder because they've played a, a non-outfielder in left field the last two seasons. Uh, and so getting someone with Rav cali- uh, caliber, I don't want to say he's the greatest outfielder in the world. Um, Out of average, I think he was one, like barely over that zero mark. But he's an improvement for what they had. Uh, they need a left-handed bat. They got a left-handed bat. He's got a great arm. Uh, and I believe he is going to play uh left i always i get that flipped because in arizona and yankee stadium this the, the sides are flipped i believe in the outside which one you rather play because judge is going to go to center um but I'll, i I want to ask you like what is your sense on verdugo um his back because i know he hasn't had more than 13 home runs in a season his average and opp has decreased over the last three seasons has he regressed or
2: do, is there a chance that he can bounce back in new york before going into free agency I think he can bounce back for sure. Um, personally, and I've said it a million times and we've recorded and we've talked about Verdugo is that it's will be a little different in New York because the short porch, he's going to be able to put it. He'll be able to poke a few out there. I think that to me is the only downside for him because he might think that he's a, a hitter that he's not, you oh. know, he hits 25 bombs there. Would I be shocked? Not at all. Only because the short porch. Verdugo should be a double guy. He should be hitting the ball into the gap, knocking in 40 doubles a year. That's where I feel like on a really good roster and a really good lineup, he should be hitting seventh. I feel like that's where he'll end up doing it with New York. Um, he was banged up at one point, two years ago, he broke his toe early on in the season. I want to say it was right around the time they were playing New York. I think it was actually against the twins, but it was in like that window. Um, so obviously playing with, with a broken, you know, toe, but he's going to play through injuries. He's fiery, super passionate, great outfielder. I think that he's going to win over fans after people hated him. Obviously being a Red Sox doesn't, you know, help his cause, but if Verdugo can, can become, and again, my opinion, a doubles hitter and focus on just putting it into the gaps and then just allow those random pokes to just be there. That is what I've always wanted him to be as a Red Sox hitter. I just think there's been a lot of BS with the Red Sox the last couple of years. You had you had just the the drama on whether and with the clubhouse between you have what's happening with Bogarts, what's happening with Devers. The team sucked. The GM not making moves to help the team out. You know, no, um, his run-ins with Alex Cora. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. I think he's going to be on his best behavior being a free agent at the end of the year. Um, I personally love the fact he was traded there. I got to do a little bit of a victory lap because I tweeted that the Red Sox were connected to Verdugo during the season. And I have Yankee people who write Yankee blogs calling me out in these blogs being whatever. And when the trade happened, I was more excited for that than anything. Cause I huh. got to do a victory lap. Right. Um, so I think if, if he just hits doubles and keeps his nose clean, I think the Yankees are going to make up pretty well in that deal. Okay. I, I, I... When you said
1: fiery, I think that's a great way to describe him from a from a non-Boston perspective. I view him uh, the exact same way. He had those runnings. Uh, he had an issue with the Yankees, too. At one point, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. Uh, years ago, with the ball getting hit him in the back, right? Yeah. yeah. And there is an issue. Um, but he's a guy that you love to have on your team, and you hate to face for that reason, that energy he brings. Uh, and it, it could be very good for a locker room and it could be not so good for a locker room when things aren't going right. So I, th- I think an, a fresh start from both sides is a good fit. And I think once the Yankees got Soto, it, it was looked more in a better light. Granted, they were happy about the deal because it wasn't, it was, you know, like, like Weissert was probably the biggest piece or fits, depending on if they think fits is going to be like a really good uh, right-handed pitcher for them but it wasn't as
2: expensive because he's the free agent next year. I also think too, the New York fans are happy that anybody but Aaron Hicks will be playing in the outfield. I know he got DFA and he went to Baltimore, you know, last year or two, but um, I, I just, I think Verdugo is set up to fail the second he was traded here because he was the centerpiece of the Mookie Betts deal. People hate that trade will forever hate that trade in this market. It'll be talked about at nauseum when we're old and gray because, I mean, people, people who have never even seen Babe Ruth, you know what I mean, or no, like, we'll always talk about Babe Ruth, you know what I mean? Like, that'll always be talked about. Um, it just kind of falls on is what it is. And then people see the, what Mookie Betts does, and you're going to have Red Sox fans that will never, ever admit being, well, he's not a power hitter. He's not Mookie Betts. He never was going to be Betts. The only thing that bailed out him going to New York, in my opinion, is the fact they went and got Soto. Because if he was the big outfield addition, that's pressure already. And he's already in a market that was, you know, eyeballs were on him there. He can just bat seventh, play left field. He was a, a gold glove finalist for the Sox. Um, to me right now, Verdugo just goes. And the only thing that people are going to talk about is how he looks like Fred Durst shaved in that. You that new york yankees graphic that they did like that's the major talking point of the no facial hair in the grills in his mouth
1: um the last one i just want to say on that like um i get it's a, a historic thing of the yankees and that's cool but i feel like as it gets further and further within the yankees tradition if you will i feel like more people want that face the facial hair uh, policy gone, like the unspoken policy that you have to shave. And I'm saying, like, I feel like all fans, like all Yankee fans, all MLB fans, are like, get rid of that policy. I, it's so weird.
0: I agree. Oh, I think that's part of trying to grow the game, too. With I feel like the last couple years, and you're trying to show more personalities, you guys celebrating big moments. I feel like that's just one of those things. If guys want to grills or kind of have, you know, weird beards and stuff like that, you have to kind of just let them be it, especially if you want to grow it in a market like New York. A hundred percent. Yeah. And also, um, we know Yankees have been busy. What are your thoughts on just how aggressive they've been in honorally acquiring, you know, soda with guys like Verdugo and just adding to this lineup and being one of the most active teams when a lot of teams you know are still kind of making moves?
1: I think compared to Yankee fans, I might have a different perspective because I I'm not biased. I mean, I got no no skin in the game, you know. Um, I think last year you saw when Judge went down in in dodger stadium june 3rd i'll remember the day because i hear about it all the time no i'm just kidding um but i uh i think it really showed the roster without aaron judge is not a strong roster and it's impressive that how competitive they've been with aaron uh um with aaron judge because he's been primarily their guy and he showed how valuable he was so they finished the year 82 and 80 they finished at 500 mark which is huge they keep that 30 year streak going but it showed when judge was out that the roster around judge was not adequate to go on a playoff run in a year where the American league, there was no obvious choice of who was going to make the world series. You know, like Baltimore had hundred wins, but they were young. Tampa Bay had 99 wins, but they had lots of injuries, especially in the rotation. Go figure. Um, Astros were 39 and 42 on home. They didn't look like the same Astros team. And the AL central is usually not competitive and they really weren't yet again. And the Rangers got hot. Like The Rangers ultimately got hot and won the World Series. But in a year where it wasn't competitive, they weren't competitive. And so you, the choice was either A, rebuild, which the Yankees will never do, I think, or B, go out and get anyone they can. And that's exactly what they chose. They get one of the biggest stars in baseball. They get Verdugo. They're going to try and land Yamamoto or, or another starting pitcher. So I'm I, very curious. They're, they're, they're back,
2: if you will, in terms of that spending prowess that they like to do. I think it's good for baseball when the Yankees are being – the second that um, Cashman showed up at those meetings and he was just, like, fiery. Like, he just – he had a hair across his ass and he let the media know about it. To me, like, again, I, I only follow from afar when it comes to New York, and I, I knew right then and there, like, this was going to be – it was going to be different, and it has been. Like, he's gone out and he's gone back to being – what the Yankees can do. What I appreciate about that though, is that they're not afraid, for example, to go ahead and put, push all their chips in and go out and get a guy like Soto. And if he walks, he walks because they're going to continue to take those chances where I am currently following, and covering a team that, and I said this, um, I think more so in like a group chat, but the Red Sox to me are like a finicky little three-year-old. Everything has to be just right. There is, they're super fussy and it's, It's got to be perfect because if it's not perfect, then they're not going to make the move. Whereas New York, let the kid cry, but they're going to go get Soto. And they've done that. And I appreciate that. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying the Red Sox need to be reckless. I want them to go and kind of read the room. And I think the Yankees read the room. They, They saw their lineup. The second that you, like you said, judges out of that lineup, that team wasn't going anywhere. Now they have no pitching in my opinion. After Garrett Cole, there's nothing. You know, you're going to rely on Nesta Cortez. Dude's coming back from injury. You know, I, I think that's a tall task. You know, I, I don't, they need to go out and get some arms. But based off what we just saw this offseason, I think New York's going to do that. And I think they're going to be in a spot to challenge a team like Baltimore. Look, Baltimore was great all year, but they showed they didn't have pitching. At the end of the day, they really didn't. And that, and that caught up to them in the postseason. That bats went quiet too, but it also showed in the postseason. So I hate to say it, but. You know obviously they got to win they haven't done that since 09 but i i i feel good about like what the yankees are doing because at least there's a direction i have no idea what what's happening up here
1: right yeah. and that's and that's fair um you know with the direction they're going for it uh i think for next year the biggest question i have and the biggest player i guess that would set the yankees up for either success or failure is carlos Rodon. I mean, you sign him to a massive contract last offseason, and he's hurt for like 90% of the year. And you're expecting him to be this big strikeout guy, the number two behind Garrett Cole. He goes down, doesn't really pitch much. Uh, he's 31 years old. Can he stay healthy? Again, he's another guy that doesn't have a lot of in the, uh, seasons where he's done a lot of innings under his belt. So he's got to stay healthy. And if he can... If he's the Carlos Rodon we saw with the Giants the one year and a couple years in Chicago where he's punching out lots of dudes behind Garrett Cole and they get a guy like Yamamoto, that's a strong three. And then you you can live with a Clark Schmidt and Nestor Cortez on the back end of that rotation. So I think if they make a move, one more move like you're saying, the pitching gets more solidified. They have more left-handed bats, some power, some all around. There's not too much of a weakness anymore in that lineup in my opinion. They look like one of the strong contenders in the AL next year.
2: Who has been like had the bigger buzz though of late between the Mets and the Yankees, because up until again, from afar, you know what I mean? I'm out here, but kind of felt like even with with getting Dave like Stearns, it's felt like the Mets were more of that buzz team. Is, is it more of like that? Are they just more of like flavor of the month? You know what I mean? Or is, is that Steve Cohen effect really kind of stealing some of that, you know, that that's that sway and swagger the Yankees had. I think more last year that was
1: the case, especially when you get Scherzer and Verlander, right? To have those two guys, two Cy Young award winners, um, being paired up in, in the top of the rotation. And you have you're you're spending out for lots of um one of the biggest payrolls in MLB history with that team. And when that went awry and they they sold Verlander and they and they traded Scherzer, I think that buzz started to go back. To Yankee to the Yankees once the offseason started, because it seems like twenty twenty four, the Mets have chosen the direction of if that's not going to be their year, but twenty twenty five, they may be back. Whereas the Yankees, they've decided twenty twenty four, they can be competitive. One year of Soto, let's go freaking win a thing. Well, uh, win a ring. Excuse me.
0: Yeah. But well, I feel like New York's the best too. And you have that subway series and those two teams kind of, you know, having the main buzz, regardless of, you know, the time of the season.
1: Yeah, I, 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 it's always fun, even not being a part of it in terms of fandom. It's fun to watch the Mets and Yankees play. Same thing with the Yankees Red Sox. Like whenever those are on like ESPN, those are always a fun game to watch because you never know what's going to happen. There's, there's always, you're always anticipating a moment in those games. Um, and like Chris said, um, when the Yankees go out and get somebody – and make these moves, it's better for baseball. It's more entertaining for baseball when a franchise like that makes these moves because the games are more interesting when you have more personalities in
2: it. Yeah. I miss watching Red Sox-Yankees where going into the series, you have I. I it is more enjoyable for me as, a, as someone who would be, I would say, a Red Sox fan. I'm going to use quotations, right? But <laughs> I'd rather feel that, like, I don't think the Red Sox match up against them and have that anxiety that they're going to have to play that team and then watch them play and then let the games kind of, I find more like, I want that back. I want some of that feeling from the early two thousands when we'll never have that. Like, you're never going to have that same buzz between Red Sox and Yankees. Like you did when there was Ortiz and Manny and Pedro and Mussina and everybody on that side, you know, uh, Jeter, A-Rod. I don't, I don't want to make sure to miss any Yankee guys, but um That'll never happen, but, like, there's got to be a way that they got to figure out how to re-replicate it a little bit to get that buzz back because it's just not the same. And the game is changing and evolving, and you're getting these different matchups that people are getting excited about. You know, the Phillies are are becoming, like, that's the, like, that's the place. During the postseason, that's the ballpark you want to go to. You know what I mean? Like, that's Uh, where you want to be. You know, it used to be, hey, like, it's Fenway Park. Well, they don't, they don't go to, they don't have postseasons in Pet Park anymore. And when they, you know, because this is not the business the Red Sox are in any longer until they do something to change my opinion on that. Yeah, they went in 2021, which was great. But were they built to do that? No, they they just kind of like, they they the squirrel found a nut in 2021. You know what I mean? And it was pretty evident by what they've done the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I just want there to be, I just want baseball to continue to grow. And and I hate saying it, but New York is part of that. They have to be New York.
1: Yeah. Big market teams, when they're good, it makes baseball more intriguing to the public eye. And I kind of learned that when I started working at John Wood, because I looked at it from a diamondback perspective, like my, you know, my whole life most of my life, small market team. Like I want, I want these small teams to be good because I'm a fan of a small team. And it's, I, I, I think it's really cool when the quote unquote, the kids at uh, the, the the teams on the kids table compete with the teams at the adult table when it turn in terms of spending. Um, but I will say I I have a little bit of a prediction for the Sox that I kind of want to say because it relates to the Yankees. Um, it could be a fun piece of the rivalry. Um, I think a fun addition for the Sox if they miss out on Yamamoto especially is a Jordan Montgomery. Mm. Um, you know you got second orientation. I get that. I love Chris Hill. One of my favorite pictures to watch, especially when he's healthy problem is he's never healthy. Um so man yes. is cursed. What's that? I'm sorry? Matt is cursed. I know. I mean, all the weird injuries, too. Just keep him off a bike. <laughs> well, oh, my gosh, man. Um And then you have a majority righties, I believe, right? It's Pavetta, Beo, uh, Hauk, if they're not going to use him as a reliever, right? Because I know he was a starter most of the year last year. And who
2: else was in that rotation that I'm blanking Whitlock, on? Whitlock, which... Lock same thing he's kind of falling he's kind of getting into that category of that injury prone there's so much potentially when he's good he's good right um and oh and a cut a crawford type that's another person i was trying to think of um
1: but yeah like getting a guy like montgomery might spark a little bit of something because Monty was pretty well liked with the yankees and gets traded to the cardinals obviously because they didn't think he was uh, a ace or a two caliber pitcher and Goes to the Cardinals, pitches well, gets traded to the Rangers, pitches really well, wins the World Series, and now he's viewed as a guy like, oh, shoot, he's a, 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 a
2: SP2 and not an SP3 or 4. I thought that was the dumbest thing that New York did was trading Montgomery. I am I hate trading. When you have a surplus of pitching, I hate trading from that no matter what. And, the, and getting Harrison Bader, the guy was – he's talking about always hurt. It's Chris in center field, he's always hurt, he's never ever healthy. He's yep. never healthy. Oh, I think you're muted. There we Back, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, it I, I think Monty'd be great. I think, but you need him, and then you gotta, you, you need at least one or two more, you know what I mean? That because. Hauk is better suited for that bullpen. When you get to that third time around, he got his head kicked in. Um, Whitlock has been dominant out of the bullpen. Cutter Crawford had a really good year last year. Um, I felt that Seth Lugo was a $15 million Cutter Crawford. So in a way, I do feel like the Red Sox, they dodged that from that standpoint. They do need pitching. So I wanted the pitcher from that that perspective. But I also want a pitcher that can go Bayo through the most innings. He was 157 innings last year. You know what I mean? Like they need guys that can go and take the ball and eat some innings and take some pressure off that bullpen. So when you're going and dipping in and, you know, Chris Martin had a great year, Brendan Bernardino was a massive surprise, you know, being, um, idea DF, being DFA'd for the Mariners. Um, it's always like the been finding that random little, you know, one-off, but Monty. Yeah. I, I think that that's the guy they should go and get on top of Yamamoto. But if they end up with him and then it's, and they make a trade like what I love Corbin Burns. I would, I just don't know if that's fitting the mold of what they're trying to do. You know, they want young controllable. Um, I think Burns would be great, but why give up the prospects when you can just wait until the off season and try to give them the money?
1: Yeah, totally fair. Maybe, I don't know if you're, what the vibe is, if 2024, 2025, range but like a guy like
2: Woodruff would be an interesting guy to go after who's not going to pitch much of 2024 and he's a reclamation. I would give him the James Paxton deal give him exactly what they did with James Paxton get him within your system get him comfortable with with how you you can rehab him Paxton that was one of the things being I saw him a lot down in Worcester I and I spent a lot of my my year the first half of the year I got like sick towards the end of the season so I didn't really have much of a presence Um, but being around the Woo Sox so much Paxton was there a ton and, you know, just chatting with him and he was just kind of talking about, you know, why he appreciated being with the Red Sox so much. And it was really because of just how the medical team was go and do that with a Woodruff. And, you know, then you roll it back into next year. And, and, and it also, you have enough pitching at that point. He doesn't need to be, you know, the two or three, He can just go and let him pitch and then just let him get back. And then, approve me deal and, and then go and pay him
1: makes total sense to me i'm on board if that happens
2: like sign me up i'm on the train let's go all right we're gonna segue a little away from baseball so and then we'll uh we'll get we'll start to land this plane a little bit so uh we'll go with jamie
0: so tell us about you know how you got involved with john boy and just how it's been you know helping them create content
1: Oh, it's a it's a funny story. I'll give you the somewhat cut down version because I could talk about it. It's kind of it's, it's a really odd story. Um, so I I'm friendly, I'm i hometown friends with Nick Cassano, also known as Nicky Cass, uh social media TikToker, the Italian comedian, uh, if you will, the TikToks and whatnot. And so he's invited to play in John Boy Media's JM Warehouse games, he's for floorball, the first floorball tournament. And last second, this was, I want to say, like June of 2022, we were filming it. And last second, someone uh, got COVID, like the day before filming. And so they were out. Nick calls me and he's like, what are you doing Friday through Sunday? And I'm like, I'm working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm, I'm I'm available. Why? He goes, can you get off? I'm like, all right, what's going on? He seemed panicked. And so I, he says, do you want to play floorball? I said, he, I said, I don't know what floorball is but I'm in. That sounds fun. And so uh, I come to the warehouse, play some floorball. I was lucky enough. They liked me. Uh, They brought me back for Blitzball Battle 2. Me and Nick were teammates, went on a little bit of a run. Um, They liked me again. Uh, They were looking for a baseball or just a sport researcher. Um, My background, I I did football research for years um, and I was also a football coach. So that's where my background actually comes from. But I've also been an avid baseball fan. So I know how to research, uh, do baseball research, which helped me land my job, and then I started January 2023 as Talking Baseball's head researcher, among other tasks that I do.
0: Good stuff. Where are some stuff that goes into, I know probably research is pretty, you know, straightforward, but what kind of is like that day to day? Is it just kind of looking up stats, or kind of what's your day to day look like doing that for them?
1: Um, it's a lot of it's looking up stats, a lot of reading, um, because it's different when you're doing. Cause obviously they're talking Yankees versus talking baseball where Yankees is strictly Yankees baseball and talking baseball is the entire league. So for me, it's trying to read what the beat reporters are saying, try and get a vibe of what's going on in each team, because it's not like I'm watching every game that's going on every night. That's just physically impossible. There's, if there's 15 games going on on a, on a Tuesday night, three hour games, 45 hours, it's 24 hours a day. So it's physically impossible to watch the whole game. So I'm trying to pick up the vibe of what's going on within each team and how the game's going. Um, so a lot of reading, a lot of looking up numbers, whether it's on like a baseball reference or fan graphs, checking the injuries. So doing a lot of that baseball stuff, organizing it, putting it into a couple sheets for them. Um, cause they all know ball. And it's so funny with between Jake, Jimmy, Trev and DVD, cause all four of them have like different mindsets and what they like and how they think about the game of baseball. So it's funny prepping stuff because each one could use it differently and they all bring a variety of baseball knowledge to the table, which is so fun to watch when they put the product together. And I'm just lucky to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, I think I first the first jump boy thing I ever saw was the lip reads. Oh, um, yeah, what I love about that is regardless of the team or regardless of the play, I feel like everyone, I'm like hysterically laughing. You guys always nail it, regardless of what like the background was going on. They're always spot on.
1: Jimmy's amazing with those. Like he finds like the smallest possible details to include which are important and it's like no it's like how the hell did you find out and see that or know that or figure that out it's and watching him do it like watching him in the process of creating a breakdown it's remarkable yeah
0: do you have a favorite breakdown that he's done
1: oh let's see Recent recency bias. I love the 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 Chiefs right now with Patrick Mahomes and everything that's going on. i a big football guy, so it's funny seeing him do a football breakdown. Um, I think one of my favorite breakdowns he's done was this is from, want to say, 2022 season. It was Elvin Rodriguez is pitching for the Tigers and he's pitching against the Yankees and he's tipping his pitches based on which way his head is looking and which way his legs are pointing, and it was so. It was impressive to see that Jimmy pick, was able to pick up on what the Yankees were picking up that he was tipping his pitches and they, I think they hit like 3 4 5 home runs off of him in Yankee Stadium and it's because they knew whether he'd be
2: looking at third base or looking at home would dictate what he was going to be throwing. All right, well uh we've had you almost an hour of your time, so we'll start to wind it down. Any big plans for the holidays coming up? Is there you got some anything that's that you do during the holiday season that is like a tradition for you or? Oh, uh, I would say the tradition is I, a lot of my family members come over to our house and celebrate Christmas Eve.
1: Um, that's probably the big one where it's, it's not just like my uh, immediate family. It's like aunts, uncles, cousins. So it's a lot of family members in a tight space. So that's always an interesting time, but um just basically doing that. It's uh it, it's fun having everyone come down and celebrate. What about you guys?
0: I always watch Muppet Christmas Carol, which I've been trying to get Chris to watch the past, like probably four days. Um, we have a hockey podcast too, where one of the guys sent like one of the Christmas ghosts and Chris's first reaction was like, what the hell is going on in the group chat? Well, i don't uh, know so kids. I, uh, I may mean, listen to the soundtrack and I've been trying to get Chris to watch that for probably the last week and a half.
2: Yeah. I, so this holiday season, so like I am pretty, it's pretty basic. Like I I'll go to my parents' house for Christmas Eve. Very simple, you know, um, my mother likes to, do, I she always asks what she should cook and make. And I'm like, just put a bunch of side stuff out. You know what I mean? Let people pick. You know what I mean? I I will always be always say, like, I'd rather have a meal of just all sides than there being a massive like entree. Um, you know, just keeping it kind of simple. Um probably what I'll end up doing then on Christmas. So I'll go to my parents. I actually have a weird tradition on Christmas that I usually do is I always have coffee and my mom always gets these like finger sandwiches, and I'll always have like it's weird. I can have like seafood salad with a cup of coffee at like eight o'clock in the morning. It's very weird, probably kind of gross. Um, but it is a unique, but this holiday season, I have been on this like Christmas rom-com movie kick. I don't know why I have no idea why, but I am just blitzing through. If I continue at the rate that I'm going, I'm probably a step away from, you know, maybe a step below from the hallmark Christmas ones on there. And I'm trying not to be that, that person, but, um, so the Muppets don't fall in, in line. But I might watch the Muppet one just because so many people have continued to talk about it. Try it it's, out. Yeah.
0: It's a great film. And also your little sandwich thing, that made me think of Will Levis, and it's mayonnaise and coffee. Like As soon as you said that, that's my comparison to your, to your combination.
2: Well, I could eat anything at weird times because for like seven months, I worked for Red Bull, and we used to work for Red Bull Distribution Company and I'd have to be there at the warehouse for five o'clock in the morning. So when nine o'clock in the morning hit, that was like lunch for me. And I could literally, you could give me Chinese food, lasagna, like I could eat anything at that time. So now it's just kind of stuck with me. I can have anything to eat at any time because, you know, when you're up at three 30 and you're at work for five and you're schlepping cans all around new England, like, you know, you can, you can eat anything at any point. So that makes sense. I I I think that makes more sense than the finger
1: sandwich and coffee mix. But being able to eat anything at any time, like I'm cool. I I'm cool with that. I get it.
2: Yeah, I, it's one of my many u- unique things that I'll that I'll do. But. To be
1: fair. I will say I am known around the office to have the worst food takes. So I I can't re- be the one to judge. <laughs> I can't. Well, what,
2: what's a bad food take? Yeah.
1: Um. I Nick hates this one. Hates it. I don't like pasta
0: really why don't you why don't you like pasta interesting
1: I genuinely have no idea <laughs> like I I don't know if it's a texture thing or a sauce thing I don't like it I just you know if it, if you're giving me options it's it's not going to be in the top five for sure
2: what's a, what's your top what would be in your top three
1: I guess top three like if this is last meal ever, buffalo chicken pizza is my go-to. That's my favorite. Crush it, little hot sauce, cheese and chicken buffalo. Yeah. Um, second is like, I guess like uh any type of chicken, chicken cutlet. Okay.
2: And then uh third is like some sort of burger or sub. I'm
0: gonna have to go get food after this now. I'm getting
2: hungry. So I'm with you on the sandwich piece. I, I I'm a, I, when it comes to food, it's definitely like that texture. I gotta have like, cause I, I just anybody can just go and throw certain shit together. But when you get some texture to it and there's like, there's, I don't know, I guess volume is really not the word I want to use, but it's the only thing that's coming to mind at the current moment. Like I was, I, you know, admittedly like there's only certain things I can eat at the current moment because like my stomach's a little on, on the, I'm messed up at the moment. But when I, I, so I've had more pasta than I care to want to have, but I'm on like this chickpea pasta because it's got like a ton of fiber in it. So it's, but, um, so that's different than your traditional pasta, but I'm big into just like sandwiches. You know what I mean? Just give me like a turkey Reuben with the sauerkraut and some of the the sauce on it and toast it up, crunch, boom, we're good to go. I haven't had a good burger though in a really long time. I can't really do red meat at the moment, but when I can and I can get back into it, it's on the list.
1: I I eat like a five-year-old. Like I am not the nutrition value. I don't want to talk about it, but you know, like it's, I, I would say the other food thing I did want to say was that cereal, no milk, no milk. It's dry cereal. That's it.
0: That one it, like fro- certain, like Frosted Flakes. I didn't get behind that with no milk with certain certain cereal.
2: It was Crunch? That's true. Delicious. The <laughs> last cereal that I had, I was I've never been a big cereal guy, but I I did have Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios, and I would just have them and I just snack on it. Um. I can't tell you the last time that I had like a legit bowl of apple jacks though. When I did cereal, apple jacks was that was that was my cereal. Good choice. I'm with you. On. Love a good bowl of apple jacks. So, I guess that's what we'll uh we'll we'll go ahead and uh, we'll land it here. Yeah. You know?